What's up, Ireland? Chad here from Betty's Nuclear. Welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Enjoy. Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to the podcast, Conscience That Made Us. Interviews and stories, tales from the bus. We love taking you back to when it all went down. The greatest live shows and that cheering crowd sound. It's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. On this episode, I'm joined by Chad from Betty's Nuclear a fantastic desert rock band from South Africa. The guys released their debut EP, Rise Betty Rise, on the 28th of October. And you're going to hear all about it and much, much more. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
Chad, you're very welcome to Concerts That Made Us. Thank you, thank you, Brian. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you now. I'm looking forward to chatting with you over the next bit about your music. We opened the show with Red Sky. It's off your debut EP, Rise, Betty Rise. You released it on the 28th of October. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Well, that is one of our favorite songs to play. Um, it's usually our set beginner. It's, um, it really helps us to kind of, you know, set the tone for our shows. Um, that is a song about a dying planet. So it's just quite a, a dramatic intergalactic kind of feel. <laughs> <to it. laughs> um, so yeah, the story goes pretty much Betty's nuclear in our little alternate universe. We are kind of a super band traveling the universe in search for life and, you know, anything worth recording. Pretty much. So obviously our our message will become clearer as our releases go on. But um, so this one is pretty much me, <laughs> the front man. We're landing on this planet and it's a war torn. Everything's dead. Everything's morbid and red. And it's about my interaction with um, that planet's Betty. So it's kind of like every planet has a protector and the protector is kind of the Betty. So Betty's nuclear kind of, yeah. So the bleeding the summer, our first day, our debut like single was us meeting our Betty. <laughs> I have to admit now, normally when I ask that question, I think that's the weirdest answer I've got. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I guess um, my, my answers will be a bit weird because I, I write this stuff. So I spend a lot of time <laughs> with the imagery and, and, and stuff. Yeah. But, um, as it is, like just off the bat, what you'll hear when you hear it is a kind of a sinister feeling, and the the explosion within the track is us letting go of the Betty and letting that wall die because it's normal. How did you come up with such a concept? You know, it's really kind of out there for a band. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it's, it's very out there. Um, well, I, I I was part of a band previously called. Um, code 106 we also have quite a few things on spotify and, and youtube and um that was a, a very dark time <laughs> writing wise very political very angry um living in south africa as well makes that kind of uh, it's always in the foreground you know like it's always in your face um everything's going to going to crap <laughs> all the time <laughs> so yeah. um i kind of lived into that but with with betty's i wanted to approach it from a very out there perspective, something that nobody can slander, no one will be offended by it because the ideas and concepts behind it are not of this world kind of thing. So um, that that's my mission to kind of, so that the laws in each story, everything can apply obviously to, to a person because it's about people, but no earthly bullshit attached. That's <laughs> 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 pretty, pretty much. It's a good way of doing it now, especially nowadays and, you know, the whole cancel culture and everything. It's a good way of getting around all of that. Hmm. So we kind of completely jumped that ship. <laughs> so, yeah. so obviously, if you if you listen to it without, without knowing it, um, we got a few write-ups about our EP saying that the big hints of um, lust and um, sacrifice and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, like I get that. that that's the the less uh, metaphorical approach <laughs> to the to the writing. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm very weird <laughs> <laughs> in my methods. So um, 
so yeah, it will have uh, something to to keep it relatable. Always, I mean, the story, something that you can like, you know, a- apply yourself to. But then, yeah, there there is that um, far out you know, con- concept that has nothing to do with it. So pretty much <laughs> space, infinite possibilities. That's kind of our aim. Brilliant. Brilliant. And what was the whole process like, you know, from coming up with the idea to recording it and releasing it? Well, um, so at first, well, we do everything ourselves. Everything is um, independent. We're trying to keep it that way. But obviously, as we as we grow, we we require assistance here and there. So our team is is growing. But um, our, our plan behind it was to do the best that we could with what we had. and. Um, kind of just getting our message out there so that the EP was our main goal so that we can start getting onto the circuit so that we have things to send to the festivals locally and, you know, uh, easier to, to sell ourselves. The, the main concept would be in our upcoming albums and stuff like that. The Rise, Betty Rise EP was pretty much our showcase with what we had, what we had to work with and everything. And... Once you released it, what was the reaction like from fans? Well, our fan base at the moment, obviously, because we don't have that much, or we didn't have that much content, was very local. So, like, the, the people who watch us play on a regular basis in our area, or yeah, in South Africa, you know, they, they loved it. People have been reacting quite well, our, our loyal fans so far. And we have jumped on a a marketing campaign with Plug Music Agency. So weekly now, um, I'm going to be creating and releasing visualizers for each track. I was just going to say that I, can, I can't I can wait to see the visualizers for it because, you know, a story like that, it's sure to be epic. Yeah. I, well, I made the Red Sky one. That one's available now. Yeah, so, so we are still in the... We will still, once the budgets allow it, <laughs> we will still um, make music videos because we... We're quite passionate about that as well, but that, that is quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to start off with visualizers just to kind of um, to set the tone for each song and to to give our audience and our viewers something to you know, look at that's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not tied directly to the story just yet. It's more just the, the imagery. Um, yeah, a compilation of um, abstract visuals. <laughs> that helps sell the, the the feeling of the song. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. One thing I noticed while listening to the EP though is that each and every song would lend itself very well to a soundtrack for like a, a big horror film or a big thriller kind of oh. film, you know. You could imagine it in the background playing as like something cool is happening on screen. How did you guys go about creating that sound? So um hmm. we I actually don't know. There isn't a specific, you know, like a moment. Um, we kind of, it's just the sound we generate. So like we we bring our influences from all over. And 20, our bassist, <clears throat> he is more of a blues rock. Um, that, that's more his forte. Um, our guitarist, he's actually originally quite like a, like a, pop, a pop guitarist. And he, he kind of phased into this controlled chaos that, that yeah, we've kind of adopted. Um, Drummer-wise, uh, we originally set out on a, like for more of a progressive 
tone. We had an issue with our original drummer who recorded the EP, um, Shane Kubu. He got into a quite a bad bike accident before we released. So that is his recording. Yeah, but uh, we have now a, a filling while he gets better. Um, Joshua January, who has to now fill those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a very progressive approach on on the drums and the rhythm. We kind of it's just it just created itself. Like I, in, I'm an atmospheric engineer. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, so the the feeling is very important. The environment that it creates, you know, when you when you perform live. Um, I just want it to be wholesome, strong, and it must mean something. Yeah, yeah, I getcha, I getcha. And one thing I'm dying to ask you now, before we jump into your history a bit, is. What is desert rock? You know, there's so many offshoots and different subgenres now. You know, you see, it's almost like you see one a new one every day. What mm. is desert rock? <laughs> so, <clears throat> desert rock, in, in my experience, is kind of a it's a, a branch of of the stoner rockers. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, it's kind of that slow, grimy. If you close your eyes and imagine a desert as well, it helps. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I'm not I'm not one to to research genres very much. I kind of just explain what I feel and what I what I write and the you know the mission behind it. But um Bleeding the Summer is a good example. Uh, <laughs> we actually shot the music video in a desert and it was like 43 degrees Celsius. Oh. We we most of us had heat stroke at the end of the day. <laughs> We didn't even finish all the shots we wanted to. <laughs> but anyways, that helped kind of create that vibe. But um, Desert Rock kind of is just psychedelic as well, kind of has that rugged, um, yeah, more of a, like that motion, that, that, that wave of music rather than just like a straight hard rock in your face kind of sound. Mm. So it's more, I think, psychedelic stoner vibes is actually the what has driven that. Um, a lot of people have called us that. We haven't really um, adopted that ourselves, but it does work. <laughs> a red sky is is probably um, quite a good example. Um, I think recording quality wise <laughs> is also a thing. Desert rock is usually quite um, independent and rough, but um, yeah, psychedelic, atmospheric, and the the environment kind of has a role to play. I've noticed. With a lot of other bands who consider themselves desert rock, yeah, it's an it's a it's an interesting one. Anyway, you definitely fit under that umbrella. Anyway, oh, I love it if it works. <laughs> exactly, that's it. That's it. So at this point, I usually dive into my guests' musical history a bit. If you can now, what was your earliest musical memory? Okay, well, I started. Um, <laughs> well, there are two. Um, so before I started singing in front of people, uh, <laughs> I used to, I was about 14, 15 years old. Um, I used to go for jogs to tell my parents, cool, I'm going to go for a run at like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> and then I go for a jog, which isn't really um, advised in our country, but we will do it. <laughs> the more dangerous it is, the faster we run. But, <laughs> um, and then there was a, a pub around the corner. That used to do karaoke's on Tuesdays and Sundays, nice. and yeah, yeah, I slowly started creeping in there, underage, you know, doing <laughs> nothing. 
Um, <laughs> and yeah, I started there. The first song I ever sang in front of everybody was Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. Ah, good choice. Yeah, my, my, that's where my, yo, my, my, my metal love started with the whole commercial black album. And then I started listening to the shit out of that. And <laughs> I started singing everything from the, from the hooks to the guitar solos. And it just, it took me. Um, and that, yeah, that was kind of my, my first under the radar. Started making friends with that old crowd. And then I started building up a little bit of confidence. When I was 15 um, at my school, they, they, they always did um, performances and obviously like, like um, productions, theater nonsense, Mamma Mia kind of crap. And <laughs> then at one year they had a rock show. And then I was like, hmm, that sounds good. I went to audition. I saw the songs. The songs were was Alice Cooper's Poison, um, Eric Clapton, Cocaine, and Ballroom Blitz. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was quite treacherous. But um, yeah, and that was kind of yeah, the birth of it. I fell in love with it. The the emotion, you know, the expression. Yeah, there's uh, couldn't really find an outlet like that. And then it kind of got me. Yeah. Jeez, you must have had some uh, pretty cool teachers putting on a show like that in school. <laughs> yeah, it was actually our um, principal and his wife that wasn't a part of the school, but they, they just wanted to give it a go. Um, and yeah, it was kind of perfect because they haven't done it since. How's that? Uh, over all the, all the generations of students and teachers, uh, my one was pretty much the only one who did that. Pretty it's crazy. almost like the universe was trying to tell you something. Yeah, and I had to listen, man. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely those those were my my two first memories. Yeah, like with actual performance. Yeah, yeah. And at home, did you grow up in a, a musical kind of house? Um, yeah, no, not on the but the performance side, but my parents are, are, are real big music lovers. <laughs> so my whole childhood they would have rise and parties and do their stuff and I would just my sister and I would fall asleep on the couch listening to music but it's like it's it's quite a crazy range like I don't know if you're familiar with like Demis Roussos and that kind of stuff um, yeah, yeah classic Simply Red <laughs> even modern talking those kinds of things that enticed me towards like the vocal side of things um, yeah, a lot of classical um inspiration as well well influence from just growing up around it but um yeah and my dad only introduced me to the artist stuff when i got a bit older <laughs> and how do you think you know being exposed to that sort of music kind of affected you and molded you as a musician when you got older i i think there's actually nothing better than that i've so i i also do um solo performances the side like more private entertainment and things like that and growing up with the music in my house has literally crafted an entire three-hour set. And <laughs> <laughs> I've been practicing that kind of. I even like from Gypsy Kings. I do everything like I, my Shaken Stevens, Elvis, like, <laughs> uh, very up and down. But it's party stuff, it's stuff for the holiday guys. Yeah, but um, I see that as my practice. It's my, um, you know, like Goku's practice dome kind of thing. Um, yeah, I've been bending it and. Uh, pushing my boundaries and yeah like even the police was a big influence oh 
Sting, love that guy. And it's very so. They are those are more my my vocal inspirations. Branch more from the classics, the the legends. When I look at energy, intensity, and passion, then I I look at my Pantera and my Slayer and my my darker side. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the local music scene like where you live? Is it very vibrant? Is there much kind of competition? Okay, well, um, South Africa kind of has it's Cape Town, Joburg, Durban that are the those are the scenes. Uh, we are in none of them. <laughs> so we're, we, we're in George in the Garden Route, um, which is like the holiday hotspot. Every year, everyone from these towns meet here. They pass through here. Um, we've taken advantage of um, an unsaturated market. Um, we are taking the taking it upon ourselves to kind of revitalize the industry here, which is working quite well. Um, yeah. So yesterday. We opened for a band called the Black Cat Bones. I know them well. I had them on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. and that was that was amazing. Like I mean, we, we don't really okay. We were we were quite heavy for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, we opened up for them, and, and people like jaws were on the floor. But it was <laughs> a good day. It was a good day. Um, <laughs> so so that for instance, that's like never happened, but it's happening now. We we host events. We we build our own where we are we're creating our own industry so um when we do events uh, we travel with an opening act and a dj and we do a four-hour event and then yeah and then we close it so it works it's so much better than going to a venue and begging them you know so not like for a time slot and then you go and play for three hours that's not healthy it's not nice it's not pleasurable it's hard work and it makes you resent your job I think. Yeah. so yeah we kind of really aiming for longevity and just a self-sustainability making sure that we can give it our all every time make it worth it we, we don't charge yet either so we kind of just get a, a venue set up and we build it and our audience is growing uh, the people who come and watch us they get inspired to maybe jam or somebody you know start a band <laughs> It's, it's happened a few times. But um, yeah, so now definitely because of our initiation of whatever we're doing, um, a lot of other musicians are coming out. And that's what we wanted from the beginning. Because you go to Cape Town and it's, it's oversaturated. You have a whole bunch of musicians fighting over nothing. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's, the venues have very little to give to an abundance of artists that all are willing and they end up playing for like 200 bucks and a beer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah. And it's hard. So I mean, I, 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 majority of the band, the guitarist, the drummer and myself, um, we all three studied at Copa in Cape Town. We all, so we've experienced the industry that side. Dean, I know has toured quite a few times to Durban. I've been to Joburg quite a few times. Um, And yeah, just kind of seen, how things work. Joburg is a lot more vibrant. Uh, I don't know why, <laughs> but um, their their scene is a lot more active. Cape Town struggles a bit, yeah. You know, and but we we have the gold mine, you know, because no one's here yet. The money is here. People are here, but the the platform isn't there. So we're we're just yeah we're 
dive in to create that platform. Any artist who comes to us, we say, cool, man, our next show will get you there. Let's, let's just get you seen and flip. We're very used to people not being very welcoming. You know? <laughs> but that's kind of, yeah, our first performance actually was at our, our drummer Shane's house um, during COVID <laughs> in his driveway. We had about, I think, like 70 people. Um, and we, we set up an entire stage and we, we sold tickets. We broke a lot of laws that day. <laughs> the party ended with the police. Is, uh, that's what we wanted. People pulling the gates and saying, shut the fuck up. Neighbors, <laughs> nice, hysterical. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, we want to we wanna stir, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the only thing that really works, and that's the point of rock and roll, but people are too... Like, you know, fucking sensitive. <laughs> Just a bit nowadays, anyway. No, it's crazy. I love that, though. You know, there's no scene, so you actually create the scene. There's not many other bands that do that. Yeah. And then that, and everyone forgets that that's how it started. Mm. But everyone wants to jump and piggyback on everybody else instead of just putting your head down, doing the work, and creating something that's fucking everlasting, you know. And, and we have... um with Dean Clark, our guitarist, he has um, Garden Rock Music Academy. So that's also a project that we're working on as well. So, like, I'm a, 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 yeah, a lecturer as well. I also do vocal training and songwriting courses and music business and all that stuff. And Dean teaches guitar. Our drummer teaches drums. And um, so that's because, yeah, that's also a big way that we contribute to the, the local industry. And we, we push them to create bands and you know work it on work on it and we can help them organize those shows we can help them with everything the thing is it's just about who you know you can make it happen there's a lot of these musicians that are in this area that just feel hopeless because nothing's happening around them i have to say that's pretty interesting though that you know you guys teach courses and everything as well because normally over here anyway you'd you'd go you might go to college for music business or you know music performance and the lecturer could be like some 60 year old guy who's never been in a band or hasn't been in a band in about 30 years you know yeah and then you know, his his idea of it is like already every every day it changes so i mean nowadays the way you manage and you know get your name out there and build the community would be obviously a lot different to 30 years ago <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, you need somebody with experience. And I mean, I'm young, but I've I've been sure, making money with my music since high school. So I, I haven't, you know, and then straight from there, I went to study and I came back and I've had jobs in between and I'm still building my, my skills here and there. But the music thing is something that I've been relentless on. And like my private entertainment has taught me a lot when it comes to invoicing <laughs> and um just like those boring businessy things uh just the pricing i need to act with those kinds of people function life there are there, there are compromises you have to make if you want to succeed but i mean eventually you can you can do what you want if you work hard enough it sounds almost like it's a you know some sort of beast almost you know you've got so much going on but we 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 work hard <laughs> yeah yeah i can see but that <laughs> we are from every but the thing is um 
like like I said, like um, I'm 20 and myself, we're both in Code 106. Um, and Josh, actually, the drummer that now replaced um, Shane for the time being. Um, so, and we've we've learned our lessons, you know, we've we've made our mistakes. Um, we know which pillars need to be strong, you know, in order for the whole thing to work. Um, and then that's that's the media, it's like the, the marketing, it's the image, it's the consistency of both of those things. Um, it's your local image, your networking, who you're talking to. It's it's so many things. And now we're working with publishers, a publicist and oh, a whole bunch of cuck. There's a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's, yeah, it's quite a monster. And then, but we focus on the main mission, the, the things around it just kind of form. But it is pretty, we, we want, we want a beast. <laughs> it must, it must be a force <laughs> to be reckoned with, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, you know what, if you guys don't become one of the biggest bands, I don't think anybody else has a chance. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That, that means a lot. It really does. Mean yeah. You seem to just, you know, you have all the right ingredients and you know exactly what to do. Mm. That, that That's kind of why we've been like, we haven't been together for that long. I think, I think, we're hitting two years or just after, past two years now, but we, we are all coming in with all the information and all the mistakes we've made before. And every decision that is made is made with five steps advanced, like in mind, you know? Yeah. Always looking ahead. Yeah. You have to. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worked so far. And our only obstacle has been, pretty much just funding but we've been getting it because every every show we play every ticket we sell goes straight into the band straight into the marketing straight into you know getting us on tour you know getting all those things together and it just yeah in growing the name and just jumping back to what you said a couple of minutes ago you've been together two years how did the band actually come to be you know how did you form it okay um so that's another, it's a COVID story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry to fool your the air with another one. <laughs> I don't, that's it just is what it is. Um, so COVID destroyed everything. Um, yeah, that's when Code One Six broke up. We were all like just, you know, floating in the air and thinking about what to do. We had the school idea um, pretty down. Dean and I jammed a few times, you know, but never really materializing into anything we we jammed with like third parties so like him and i would get together and find somebody else to jam with and it just never really took um on 20 can't remember where he was but he eventually came through <laughs> <laughs> um and shane and dean yeah they lived in cape town because dean um managed some studio space they called kill city blues in cape town and Shane as well, he was working and living and studying, being a person there. <clears throat> they were both in Cape Town. COVID forced everyone to pretty much come back home. And home was George. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, just kind of happened. Musicians are always looking to make music. Um, True. Yeah, an artist without a side project isn't like it's hardly an artist. You, know? I mean, you, need to, <laughs> yeah. you need to kind of exercise that. Us just knowing each other, um, uh, and Shane, Dean, and myself, we all went to the same high school as well. So we are, yeah, we go way back, all different ages, but we've uh, crossed paths, you know. Um, 
so yeah, we kind of, everyone's lives went to shit, ended up back here. And we're like, yeah, let's give it a go. And then, yeah, it just, just kind of happened. We, we jammed and we were like, okay, this works. The jollying is the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> no matter if, if you come to practice with 50 pages of sheet music and ask everyone pretty please to play it, <laughs> it's, it's not going to work out. So that's, we just got together and jammed until something came out of it. And that something was bleeding in the summer. I would love to have been there now to see, you know, the first session that you did and you're like, you know what, this is actually pretty good. We're pretty good. We need to put a band together. I have a lot of videos. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll hunt one day. I'll make a before and after because, yeah, the growth has been crazy. So all of that in mind and, and us knowing what we wanted to do and knowing that being here, this side of the world, nothing's going to happen unless we make it happen. We all know what to do to make it happen. These agencies and entertainment companies, they aren't God. They are just people with phones trying to make money. I can do that too. So <laughs> um, here we go. So like, yeah, we just went for it. And it's, it's, it's paved the way quite nicely. We've, we've had a lot of obviously internal struggle. Yeah, it's the natural obstacles, personality clashes, but we, we all want the same thing. So it, it makes it doable. And everything's kind of been yeah, running like water. Good, good. And, you know, social media nowadays is, I always say it's like playing Russian roulette. You'll actually miss more times than you hit, you know. How do you guys approach it and approach getting your name out there? Okay, so um, that's me as well. <laughs> I um, I have some experience with digital marketing, and I've I've, I've had my fair share of jobs in the cyberspace kind of realm, you know. But um, enough to learn how to manage it. So I do all of our um, our graphics, our social media, um, posting, events, all that stuff. Everything online. The image is me, and. Um, it's, it's better that way because just to kind of keep that image consistent and like, you know, the same <laughs> every time. Um, I, so I, I take it from the, the, the keyword research approach and what people want and, and optimal posting times and kind of, but um, what I have noticed is the best posting is when you have, you know, something to offer somebody. So, like, if, if I'm sharing an event, that will be easier than just, oh, look at Chad singing in studio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, those obviously are – it depends on what you post. So, so we, we try to keep it valuable so that every post we have is about our release or there's a link to click. Um, a lot of internal linking – or I mean, external linking, a lot of mentions, a lot of tagging. A lot of that boring crap. <laughs> it's it's crazy what you have to do to keep your head above water. But um, yeah, it's very easy to just fall off if you're not paying for your marketing. That's the thing. And I feel like everything is uh, kind of forced towards making you pay for things nowadays. Luckily, the, the, the kind of marketing I, I specialize in was the organic type, <laughs> the SEO and all that kind of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I don't want to I am just a bit. Yeah, that, that kind of stuff, though. Um, setting your account up and your content up so that it ranks well and reacts well to algorithms and stuff like that. that that's my approach more um, than 
paying ads. Uh, the paid ads work for events locally, but um, if we want to start doing paid marketing for YouTube, for instance, like mm. I don't have 50,000 rand right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I will do my best, you know, to make it appear, <laughs> um, but by knowing what I do. So that's also YouTube. Um, there's a lot to do with the SEO through there. Um, the meta business thing. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube is pretty much all we use. It's all we have. Um, and then our publicist. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's very, very, very tricky. And it's like, it's exhausting because you can have a good month. And then for instance, like I posted a competition for our event for yesterday, um, giving away two tickets and Facebook just like full out ignored my post. Not like two reactions, but we have like a thousand people usually looking through our posts and it's like, okay, weird, very random. But I mean, yeah. anything can happen. And I mean, they, they change things in their algorithms and their, their stuff on the daily as well. So you need to keep up to date with that. There's a lot of research, you know, a lot of, you know, it's very exhausting. But it's worth it. Yeah, when it works out, when it works out, it's worth it. But it's such a headache. Like I even noticed with the, with the podcast, like, like you said, you'll put up a post one day and it'll seem like everybody that follows you will interact with it. You'll put up a post the day after and, you know, one person might like, like it or look at it. Oh, just a drive you insane. And it can be a post that you, oh, and I, I did, I spent so much time on that post <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, it's, it's keyword. It's like, you have to, you have to, you know, be sure of what you're, you're tagging and what feeds you want to pop up on. And that's where the hashtags come in. Um, and oh, yeah, you just really feel betrayed <laughs> sometimes. <Yeah. laughs> but it's part of it. It's part of it. One day when we have big monies, we can we can market like people with big money. <laughs> but until then, we'll just be talented, I guess. Well, you know, it's not the worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> but these days, you need it, and yeah. it needs to be responsive. And TikTok's also a good thing, but I'm 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 quite against that. You're not into the the dance challenges and everything then no <laughs> not necessarily that like i mean we can utilize it for our our thing like i mean we can we can make the content appealing you know to people who want to see our kind of things but um yeah it's just just me for right now i'm not i'm not tiktok ready yeah yeah i get you i feel like though all of this is an extra added headache that bands don't need and that bands didn't have years ago do you think the way it's set up now it's better or worse than it was, say, 15, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, yeah, it's actually be good to be famous. Right? Mm. <laughs> Nowadays, if your marketing's good and you're mediocre, you can become famous. Yeah. It's like, it's very frustrating to, on the daily, you see people that like really, like, it's not a, like a jealousy thing. It's not, it's not a, like a bratty, childish, like, I want mine, I want mine. It's just like, <laughs> But it is very frustrating and it, it can be demotivating. If you if you see these people just, you know, shitting out a check, that means nothing. And it's like 30 million. But that's how it is now. It's all image driven. And, and yeah, that's the world we live in. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. It's, it's all about how you look. It's kind of, yeah, it's just is what it is. So you have to really, but like there are people who are really interested in good music still. People do exist. <laughs> it's just um you know the other people are the majority 
Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. I feel like though it's having a bit of an effect on the music industry, you know, because I feel like, first of all, record labels will look and see how many followers you have. It's almost like you already have to be famous before a record label will look at you. And then the other side of it is... I feel like the likes of TikTok and Reels on Instagram are almost destroying good songwriting. Yeah, because you just have to come up with something 15 seconds that's catchy and you can make a million bucks. Yeah. Um, I can sit in a dark room for three months and write a ballad and no one will give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's all. But I guess then you have to jump on it. You know, you kind of have to, you have to try and ride the wave. And I think when it comes to bands, the, the one of the best things you can do besides marketing your music well is marketing yourself individually do like your your PR you know um, to to sell a personality as well jump onto that train slightly you know like for me for instance I, I, I need to start but if um, I get somebody to start running my social media my TikTok and my stuff like that just to promote my personality for instance it, it's that is an awesome avenue into my music because these days it is very, it's a lot easier to sell people on your personality than it is to sell them on an album. Yeah, true. Um, and that is a, a piece of advice that I think would work a lot <laughs> for yeah. bands because to, to market the band these days doesn't work as well as it used to. Uh, and it's, it's very frustrating. And I mean, people don't even want to listen to albums anymore. Their attention spans are like crippled. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, Cool, a single, and that's it. So you have one shot to kind of prove it. <laughs> no one's gonna click and be like, "Oh, I saw this this album on TikTok. Let me just sit and put an hour and a half of my day away and listen to this album." It doesn't, yeah. No, doesn't work those days are gone. I'm afraid. Unfortunately. Yeah. So singles is is unfortunately EP. The EP was our compromise to that because, like me personally, I. I I'm quite passionate about my writing. So I I would prefer an album because it would be a bit more complete. Um, but seeing that it was our debut EP, like our first one, it was more just kind of a, you know, a Betty's Nuclear Soundscape, you know, kind of just a, a, a taste of our song. Yeah, I feel like with you guys as well, you know, is are more kind of like an album band because you have that story you want to tell and it would be easier to tell it through an album. Yeah. Or a comic. That is our other idea. I wasn't going to say it, but that did. Well, I actually thought a cartoon, but a comic would work great. Haven't you you seen the Betsy on, on the, the album art? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in the works. It's in the works. Uh, so, um, yeah, with the with the merchandise that we're working on, um, that's also a big thing. Yeah, so like, yeah, I'll have her on it. <laughs> <laughs> there are designs in the works, um, but like, alongside our story being so like, you know, um, like timeless, earthless, like infinite, basically, um, we definitely wanted to do a, a BN comic book because we have our. It's kind of like a retro pin-up nuclear style um, that we're going for. And yeah, that, that's definitely on the heart, you know. So with the, the, the original concept decided, like, we, we do have a lot of, you know, concepts that have been shot in the air. Each, each member has, like, their own world as well. Um, if you, you listen to Headless Mountain, um, that was a song for or about shame. 
our original drummer. <clears throat> and in his world, he's like this uh, furry Aztec king type style. <laughs> and the song is about um, them taking the most beautiful gold princess in their village and sacrificing her in their volcano so that the village may eat. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's kind of just sacrificing something beautiful, unique, and amazing so that the majority can be happy. So there, there, yeah, there's a lot of um, literal and metaphorical cues in there. But yeah, so that, that's his song on his world, which is like an Amazonian kind of, that's the Headless Mountain is obviously a volcano. So mm. cut the top off. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that's kind of that story. Um, Call Before You Ride, for instance, is more just I wanted to create a feeling of Betty traveling through space and just fucking just going, you know. So it doesn't mean anything, but it means everything at the same time. Um, like a, a traveling song, you know, in between the songs, between the worlds. Red Sky is obviously the dying planet that we found. And yeah, they're, they're all kind of just little eggs, you know. You know, I can't wait for the, you know, when you get to the stage where you can actually make a film with the entire story and the soundtrack to it, it'll, Ooh, oh, it'll be, yeah. it'll give Star Wars a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's going to be epic. Oh, busy designing BN spacesuits as well. <laughs> for, the, for, the, for the animations, for the, yeah. the job. Yeah, there's a lot, so... Pretty much what it is, um, it's just a collective of minds that didn't want to conform to the shit that we experience in this country every fucking day. Um, all the nonsense, it's very easy to get caught up in that. Um, and yeah, listening to like our previous song, the Code Runner 6 stuff, you can hear the anchor. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of just a black hole that we throw all of our ideas in, and however they stretch and mold and form out on the other side is, is what is what the fuck we give <laughs> it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty pretty interesting it's it's awesome because they we're not limited we're not you're not yeah we're not put in a box of any kind um it's never like oh no fuck that will never work yeah. like if you listen to headless mountain the the end there's a full-on screaming match i <laughs> <laughs> uh, went full like a death metal growl and that was just because I fucking because I felt like it, and and I felt like the song, you know, required it. And, uh, it starts off, red sky starts off. Oh no, headless. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, whatever, whatever. And the end, it's that climax of everyone is satisfied, but with blood, kind of thing, you know, because they killed her. So everyone's happy, but. Fuck, do you see how you did it? <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I feel like um, the outro to that song really creates a good image for that. Yeah, definitely. And we'll jump into your gigs. For people that haven't had the chance to see you guys live, what can they expect when they come to one of your gigs? <laughs> our biggest, our biggest problem um, with this EP was to to create the same sound. It was, it was very tricky because uh, effects reasons and like, obviously we couldn't record using the exact same preamps and blah, 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 and all that stuff. Um, budget reasons and 
or that we pride ourselves on, on the live performances. So you can really expect a kick-ass, immersive, psychedelic, hard rock experience. So like we, we really try and um, wrap you in our blanket <laughs> of, of, of sound and imagery and stuff, but it's, it's a lot more intense. Um, I'm a very aggressive vocalist. But not not in the sense that it's just like where where where. It's more like um, like I'm very in your face and loud, but melodic <laughs> and yeah. good. But it's like it's yeah it's 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 way better than the album. <laughs> but seeing us live is just the, it's it's well that this is just me speaking from performance. Um, I enjoy it. That's that's all the reason we do it is to perform. The reason for the EP was to try and obviously, you know, get our, our sound out there as best we could and, you know, get people to want that feeling as well. We, we're very down to earth, <laughs> ironically. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we just, we just love interacting with people and, you know, the, the kinds of people who actually enjoy going to a rock show and just letting loose for a bit. Yeah. I have to ask as a band, what gigs that you've played do you think have made you guys i i won't lie yesterday was was pretty good <laughs> um and it was a small intimate show it was well about 100 people at mujo and george with the black hat bones like sound wise it, it, it was awesome and there the people were there there was a company called better live um, which is also like a musical touring events company in south africa which was pretty good for us but I, I definitely would say um, we've opened for a good few bands. Prime Circle um, at Bushlapa, that was that was pretty big for us. Because you know, going from jamming in our drummer's bedroom to that, you know, yeah. it was just pretty crazy. Um, and now we have a studio. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then opening for Francois from Coke, that was that was amazing. Um, so, so, so yeah, so we are. And, and the, the nice thing about creating the industry here is that anyone who matters that passes through here tends to, you know, to see us at some point if they're looking for opening acts because the artists in this area, you, know, you obviously get some guys who, who market themselves well, but they tend to branch out to Joburg and Cape Town and disappear. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm happy about, you know, for our sake. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think they, they're, they're missing big opportunity doing that. But yeah, so we are option number one, especially for the rock bands, because they are desperate to get out there. But it's it's difficult for some reason. People want pop and other things. South Africa, yeah, the the audiences are. I think it's so diverse that it makes it difficult to like you know just throw a rock show, just do that kind of thing. But pretty much those those big opening acts, um, the Prime Circle, the Front Stuff on Coke opening for Black Hat Bones, um, our our event that we did was our first paid event that we did, and we called it the Nuclear Garden. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And we did it at the George Botanical Gardens. We got a stage. Uh, we had a whole lineup. We had DJs, vendors, tattoo artists. I got my nose pierced on stage. It was fun, <laughs> fun times. But yeah, it was a bit crazy. Yeah, we had, a, I think, about 200 people. Fuck, it was actually it was so good. And yeah, um, that, that was definitely one of our big moments in relation to like our audience and 
you know, who, who's supporting us locally and doing that when I was big because they actually they actually matter a bit more you know, <laughs> than than the the artists that we play for that that is a good leeway so that they can see that we're not fucking around and we can perform on their level and yeah um those ones <laughs> <laughs> and we'll flip it around a little bit now we've heard the best is there a gig that you'd say was the worst experience you've had, you know, where everything just went wrong and how did you deal with it? Okay. Um, well, it, it was most likely recently. The thing is that we, um, on top of knowing what to do and what to think, you know, ahead for and plan for. And so we, we were very anal about being ready for our shows. Um, hundred percent like no cracks nothing we must be tight otherwise we're going to fall off the wagon like our product must always be seamless and that's that's our one thing um well we still have fun but if it's if it's done perfectly we have fun <laughs> regardless <laughs> um but yeah um so with the whole drummer dilemma yeah this was quite a touchy subject but <laughs> one of our first shows um coming back with the new drummer yeah, we had a bit of a um, a bit of a shit show <laughs> um, at at one of our shows. Luckily, it wasn't a crazy like a, a too high stake. But every every show should be seen as a high stake. <laughs> yeah, situation. true. Uh, true. Um, our upset was that um, yeah that show just didn't we didn't hit what we wanted to hit. Yeah, we weren't all on the same like ethics wave. Right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, the way we dealt with it was we literally finished a song. We had a 15-minute break, come to Jesus meeting, <laughs> cut each other out, um, saying, no more fucking around. We get back, we do it properly. Otherwise, shit's going to change. <laughs> right. and, you know, we are, it's a kind of an iron fist, um, but if you're, if you're not going to be disciplined, it's not going to work. And that's one of the lessons we also learned. So um, I think, yeah. That was Mujo, <laughs> the same show, the, the same venue that we redeemed twice since then, luckily. Um, yeah, so, so we came back in the end. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we took a, a little bit of a break, spoke to each other, and we, we did the second half of our set and we nailed it. Huh? Good, good. But yeah, we, we, we solidly did screw up the first bit. And, you know, as the front man, what do you think goes into being a good frontman and putting on a good show? Crowd interaction is one thing, um, definitely. But I I'm actually have like, I have like a crazy social anxiety when it comes to like talking to people. I'm not, I'm not great with that. Um, I connect with people. Um, I have that skill. Like, I mean, I'm very, I can, I can hop between, you know, like <laughs> friends groups quite, quite well, different, different worlds of people. If you want me to interact with the theater people, I can do that. Sports people, I got you. <laughs> the metalheads, yes. The classical, I can, I can do that. I'm very versatile in my, uh, my social skills. But um, when it's on stage, it's a, it's a switch. I, I govern it off of passion and expression. People tend to respond to that. Um, it's like an autopilot. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's my, my saving grace is that I really love my music and people people feel it. And it's just about if you if you believe in what you're singing, it will always be good. If if 
but if yeah, if you're blurting out crap, <laughs> people people kind of sense it, and I'll just make sure that my music comes from a real place, and I perform it with my heart, and yeah. But also then you have the the businessy side is the networking must be able to interact and you know be friendly to everybody. Don't be that twat. You know, it's just like I want to speak to you now. I'm a front man. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, I don't, I don't judge. I think that's also a very big thing. I'll speak to anybody. Um, and yeah, just kind of, you have to always be open, you know? <laughs> yeah. Approachable. Yeah. Approachable and let everybody in, which is also, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a hectic part of it. Um, that, that takes a bit of a toll long term. But I could imagine. Hmm, you get drained every now and then and you just want to sit inside and be miserable for a week. Happens. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I write. So woohoo. Well, it works out well then. <laughs> <laughs> so, say in 30 years' time, you know, when you're old and grey, you need a Zimmer frame on stage, you look back at your career, what needs to happen for you to feel fulfilled and like you achieved everything you wanted to? Hmm. Well, I would I would really like... Oh, I don't know. It's just a very, it's a very all-over-the-place kind of dream as well you know there's no specific goal every project has a different lifespan every project has a different i don't know you know mission dream process um all those things contribute to how long it's going to last uh i i just wanted to bands aren't going to last forever i i feel um see like have you seen any of offsprings like (laughs) recent (laughs) some bands that just shouldn't really you know, like leave leave that generation, leave that age behind. Um, but yeah, there there is definitely a want to to make it worth it. You know, do the best that we can with it. And I would very much like us to tour internationally. That is a that is one thing. So UK, America, please get us there. <laughs> um, that is that that's our thing because South Africa is it's it's a very oh, it's a, a very this place is very good at crushing your dreams. I can promise you that. Really? You have to be, yeah, you have to be quite resilient and really have to push because, ugh, I don't know. I can't even really explain it, but it's just like with everything that is constantly happening and falling through the ground economically and pretty much just the fact that nobody wants anything to do with us because we're toxic at this point, it seems. Right. <laughs> the country. So um, people have kind of just forgotten about us. Like if the, like when the big acts tour the world, very few of them make a stop here. I've heard that. Yeah, and that's like annoying. You know, I watched Iron Maiden in South Africa. Uh, when was it? 2016. I don't know. Some, some. They were here, and oh, that was that was like one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I'm just upset that that doesn't happen often enough. I think they had. Um, they had foreigner here last month or two. Yeah. I, I didn't get to watch, but I mean, like that's cool. But I mean, like they're so like you know they're old bands. I mean, they they aren't really you know stimulating acts in the area. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, that that would be a dream. I would just like us to to run our run, show people what we we have, and you know, do it the best we can. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, and you know. I feel like South Africa 
at the moment has a very, you know, there's a lot of really cool rock bands like yourselves. And what do you think sets South African rock bands aside from the rest of the world? Well, um, I can definitely promise you that like that the fact that we're not a first world country <laughs> is is a big reason to why we're not as brainwashed. <laughs> but um so yeah, I think a lot of bands and musicians here do it for a very similar reason that we do it. Um, for the love and the passion and, and just the drive to get their music out there. Um the people in the sea uh, in the cities tend to um, to bounce off of each other stylistically quite a lot. And like you go to Joburg and they'll, they'll have kind of a sound. You go to Cape Town, they'll have a bit of a sound, that kind of thing. But they, they the, the ones that do stand out, I know there's a lot of like death metal bands that are really amazing. And they, they go to like Vakken and they tour in America and stuff like that. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, they, but they're doing so well and I'm super happy for them. But yeah, I think America. All of those guys, it's 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 pop driven. The the it's it's they're all like on that wave and they're riding that wave. Um, and I don't know if there if there are a few underground bands I'd be more than willing to you know give a listen to. <laughs> but I don't know. Every time I go on my phone and I look at things and see things, I don't. I don't know. There there is definitely a difference, and I don't know if it's from the the raising the environment or just kind of our mentalities are a bit different. Yeah, we're just different people. I think it has, you guys over there have a very unique sound as well. It kind of sets you apart. You know, I feel like you almost know you're listening to a, a South African rock band. Mm. Oh, true, true. I, I won't lie to you. Um, um, I, I have a bit of a weird philosophy when it comes to that. I, I try not to listen to too much local, <laughs> too many really? local bands. Yeah, because... Um, it's, it's something I learned to do when I was in Cape Town, studying and performing that side. Um, it's very easy to um, be competing with people that you shouldn't be competing with. That makes sense. You need to kind of find your sound and, and just go for the world. I think that is the, the biggest thing. Um, because like, for instance, Cape Town, a lot of the bands that were just playing in clubs and stuff and wherever they play, they sound quite similar. There's like a, a little bit of a twang, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I don't want to say boycott because I have respect for them all. And I mean, you know, horns up to anyone who has the balls to give it a go. But I don't want my influence or my, my, my art to be influenced too much by local. Um, same with international. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a weird <laughs> under the rock kind of guy when it comes to my, my writing I, I listen to music and I'll mm. enjoy my music <laughs> but when it comes to writing I don't think of anything other yeah. than what's in my head yeah. I think that's uh, that's why um, uh, the questionnaire I was like um, I, can't, I can't pinpoint influence because we all have our influences um, I don't necessarily sound like my influence but I, I adopt their passion and their intensity you know just the drive and i appeal to oh no the, the older bands appeal to me a lot more so like from the the 90s backwards kind of i'm a new metal baby as well <laughs> uh, 
big fan of the corn and the system and the weird, you know, the people who really fucking just threw their voice out there and whatever happens, happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing because of that. I mean, you will never get a band like system of a down or or corn or something like that, you know? And that's because of their, they just have such unique sounds. They sound like nobody. I mean, I think corn, the only ancestor you can kind of link to that is sepultura, but they kind of, their groove. Um, system there's a, a band called it's a new band it's quite quite interesting fair something fair something there's a song called dance of the manatee that had a very system of a down vibe to it that i enjoyed but it's not the same you know it doesn't you know it doesn't feed it you know yeah yeah i gotcha <laughs> so yeah i kind of and pantera like i mentioned earlier on that vocalist his whole revolution is like there's nobody there's nobody. He deteriorated closer to the end. But I mean, it's just such a oh, Phil and Sommer legend. I mean, that's the kind of stuff I, I focus on. When it comes to songwriting, I I pass the torch to myself. <laughs> 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 um, I don't like listen to, okay, how have you written this? How did you? I don't dissect everything too much. I let it flow with the knowledge I have and everything. So, um, and the experience. And, everything I've learned, I just more take a, a physical and raw approach to it. I think if anything can be said, it's that you're definitely comfortable in your skills with, you know, from being a front man to being a musician to, to writing songs. Yeah, It's very important, I think, because it's, it's like heartbreaking to see everyone falls on the same train just because everyone's doing it. And it's so easy to, to get influenced without you even knowing these days. Like, and yeah, oh, it's poison, bro. <laughs> it's poison. <laughs> I I literally the only reason I'm on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube is it is just to promote the band and to to get us out there because that's unfortunately where the people are. I can't run outside and you know hand flyers out. Oh, I can. <laughs> we did do posters and stuff for our events, but I mean, it, yeah, it just doesn't work like that anymore. No, no, not nowadays anyway. And what are your future plans? What's locked in stone? Well, um, right now uh, we're prepping for season. December time is here. That's our summer. <laughs> you guys get to be nice and cold. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we are waiting for a few big shows this December. Uh, we've released the EP now, so the marketing campaigns can jump on that. Um, and yeah, we're, we're going to be focusing on being heard and sharing our music. Next year, as soon as the season hype ends, we will get on our new single. Brilliant. Yeah, so that, that's, yeah, we, we do like thinking ahead, you know, but not, not too far ahead because I end that <laughs> in all of these uh, processes and recording the single, there'll be like 10 checkpoints <laughs> in between all of those. So um, that's our plan. But our plan for now is to, um, yeah, just kind of performing our area where we might be going to Pretoria as well. And um, we need to start touring up and all around South Africa out of season. So we're going to play here in season. People will hear the name when they all go back home. We'll go to them. <laughs> we are planning on targeting the, the students like the, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Stellenbosch and Ultrastrom and those kinds of places. In not South Africa. really. But those are like our, um, student student towns pretty much 
Right, right. Yeah, so our missions um, to work with the student radio stations, like the university things. Mm. Um, yeah, to try and get onto that scene, get the young metalheads and rockers out, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, start spreading the word mm. on a bit more face to face. Yeah, sounds like a pretty solid plan. Thank you. I hope. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes. I'll let you know. <laughs> Do do. There's yeah. a there's one little thing you forgot to mention though. You have to like jump on a plane and just come over to Europe, even just for one show. <laughs> <laughs> I would really love to. Um, have you seen the exchange rate? I'll Google it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you use? The euros, right? Euro, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, Eighteen rand to the euro. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. It'll, yeah, it'll take me eight, about. 18 times longer to get there <laughs> than it would for you to come here. Oh, man. But, but we are, we're on it. That's a pretty good reason not to do it, so. <laughs> yeah, but you see, that's, that's the, the kind of shit you have to deal with. When a band is in America, it's easy for you to just be like, okay, cool, let's go to South Africa for a month because it yeah. only cost me the allowance my mom gave me last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but I mean, we, we, we are definitely... Funding is our biggest thing. So we're, we're really trying to get sponsored and, you know, just people to kind of um, invest in our brand, you know, help us get to where we need to be. Recording quality should improve. Our touring capabilities will improve, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of the mission we're climbing. Um, and the fact that, yeah, we've, we've grown so quickly um, kind of forces us to wait a little bit. Mm. Oh, me going back to what you said a while ago. Right. <laughs> um, you mentioned that uh, the, the record labels and stuff, they just give a look at your following basis. Um, and yeah, that's 100% true <laughs> because I've, I've messaged countless people. There's a company in Cape Town, or I mean in South Africa, called um, The Kraken is Alive. And they're amazing. I watched, I don't know if you're familiar with Ailstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, they they came so close to like surpassing the Iron Maiden experience. They were so good. Oh, they're amazing. But anyways, I went to go watch them and the Treyu that I was more with, the Ailstorm. And they had a pirate festival there. And I messaged them. Um, this was, I'm not sure if Betty's Nuclear started yet. I don't think so. No, it was still code one of six days. Yeah, and the message, they, I'm like, oh, what do I need to do to get on the lineup? I'll flip and play in the beer tent. I don't really give a crap. And um, just something. And it's like, you know, um, if you have 50,000 followers, we'll give you a look. Oh, man. Like, okay. Well, <laughs> I just guess I'll just go die then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. So it's like, that is what it is. People don't give a shit if you sound promising. They don't care what you sound like. It's nothing. Yeah. If they can see that they can make money off of you. That is what stimulates them. That's it. So, it's all about the so, money. Yeah, at this point, it does make more sense to be independent because fucking I also want money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it just it makes sense. Because um, all they do is just run the deals and, and get everyone together and be like, cool, recordings this much. They just take so much of it as well. When we can just source a studio, source videographer, like our studios or that other things, we can do it ourselves if we just have the discipline and the 
the know-how. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like 50,000 is a lot that they're not really, that's not a fair chance. Like even if they said 10,000, you know, it's achievable. Mm. Yeah, 10,000 is a lot more realistic. The, the, but like it, it works in stages. Once you get past the first thousand, then it, it starts snowballing as well. So yeah. the, the, the first mark is that is that 1,000. That's like the first milestone. Because then that 5,000 gets easier. 1,000 people are talking about your stuff. Then 5,000 people talking about your stuff. 10,000 is quick. 10,000 people talking about your stuff, 20,000 and so forth. It just goes. Yeah. Obviously with the right marketing in place, but it's that first. Oh, they're trying to get up there especially without paying, but then you can pay. But if your strategies and stuff aren't, you know, valid and like working as soon as you can't pay you, well, it's still, it just won't last as long. Your content still has to be good. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's exhausting. It's very difficult to do that part um, on your own. But yeah, so yeah. it happens. Yeah. It's nearly impossible. Yeah, Jeez. nearly quite doable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fifty, yeah. Uh, fifty thousand. They can fucking jump off a bridge. If I can get fifty thousand people, I can do my own fucking festival. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't need you. So yeah, that's why I think everyone's jumping on the independent train. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be the better way to go. Anyway, more control over your music as well. Yeah, and the, the monetization of everything. Yeah, yeah. Right, we'll. Uh... We'll move on to the last couple of questions. Everybody gets these, I'm afraid, so you can't get off the podcast till you answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if, you insist. if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only, who would it be? Hmm. <laughs> um, I'll give you one. Sure, one guy, though. That's tricky. Um, I, think, I think an early 90s Pantera show would have been amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or, or, one more. Uh, Metallica 1999, isn't it? Oh, man. That's yeah. my baby. Fuck, that was amazing. That's, I watch the DVD often, often. <laughs> yeah, that would be the ultimate show now. Sure. And then they redid it. They did a sequel. But it mm. sounds worse. How does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, maybe age. <laughs> no, no, like like recording-wise. Like, like audio-wise. I think they try to overproduce it somehow. I'm not slandering Metallica. They're gods and they're, they're amazing. They, they, they've lived their lives, you know what I mean? They, they've they made their statements, but compared to the first one, just personally. Yeah, it didn't yeah. really come close, did it? Mm-mm. But yeah, that, that oh, to be in that opera house, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And the next one. If you had to spend 24 hours locked inside a room with any musician from history, living or dead, who would it be? Ozzy Osbourne. Really? That was quick. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just, um, oh, man. Talk about Sabbath days. Mm. Just like, I don't know. He just seems like, again, okay, no, but he was also difficult to talk to, so maybe not such a great idea. <laughs> I think it'd be a very long 24 hours. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, I, would, I would just like to meet him, I think. Um, let me let me let me give it some thought. Uh somebody. That's crazy. I never actually thought about that. <laughs> Locked in a okay. Hey, hey, there's a whole other sex. I just had to think about. Um <laughs> I didn't think of for some reason. I'm just thinking of really the guy. But I've um yeah, let me give you a random one. Okay. Uh, 
Give me 2003 Emily. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I'm not, I completely I'm not sure. understand. <laughs> I thought, yeah, there we go. Then I'll stick with that one. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the best answers I've had now. <laughs> <laughs> Just her, myself, and a piano. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and the final one: What song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? Sure, the soundtrack of my life. <laughs> I don't know. That's a crazy question, right there. Uh... I'll give you a, a, a hardcore one and uh, an interesting one. Okay. Hardcore Revolution is my name. Give me that, Tara. Yeah. <laughs> and for the interesting side of me, Hocus Pocus by Focus. Right, right. Why so? I don't know. That, that was a, <laughs> a, a big song for me <laughs> while I was studying in Cape Town. It was our hype song. Uh-huh. Uh, like every time we went out. And for me, like, Vocally, it was always a fun little trick. Have you ever heard the song? It's not springing to mind now, I have to say. I'll have to look so it they, up they, afterwards. Yeah, Focus was a band from the 70s that they kind of just did soundtracks. Like they didn't really, really like perform. They didn't sing. They don't sing often. Right. But um, that one song, he yodels, and it's a really good yodel. You should, you should give it a go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for, for energy wise and just. Uh, was like a, a glimpse into how awesome musicians were becoming at that stage. You know, that that branch from you know classic rock to to the I don't know, just pushing yourself. Mm. Yeah, there's um yeah, and then there's a live version of the video that's like double the tempo, which is even crazier. Show you what <laughs> drug, drugs could do in the seventies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Revolution is my name to uh, because it's nice and dynamic and, and vibey. No, I don't. I don't have. Uh, you know, I think that those are the two best answers I can give you. Obviously, if I start digging deep, you know, I can can give you like "Low Man's Lyrics" by Metallica or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, 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 "No Leaf Clover" by Metallica. Right. Why that one? Because it's a flipping amazing song, and I only recorded it and performed it once. It's like. It's like a four-leaf clover. It's rare. It's fun. <laughs> Have you heard that version? That's also the S and M. Yeah, yeah. And they only recorded that one. And yeah, uh, that's one. It's a song I find myself singing quite often. Really? Yeah. So I guess that's a, a good reason because it's always in my head. Perfect yeah. answer. So, right. Listen, I've really enjoyed the last hour now chatting with you. It's been an absolute education. Ah, that's an awesome. That was nice to meet you and awesome to chat with you. Nice to get all of this band info out. And I hope the world responds to Raz, Biddy Raz. Because <laughs> you know, we have to. Well, hopefully it'll get some new ears on the on the music anyway. Yeah, Flip, thank you to your audience. To anybody listening, I love you so much. <laughs> from South Africa with love and from Biddy's Nuclear and from your man Chad. It's been awesome.
What's up everyone, my name is DJ JC and I'm one of the DJs over at Super Cool Radio. I host a one hour metal show called The Brutal Block. We have new episodes every Tuesday dropping at noon. So if heavy metal music is something that you're into, then make your way over to The Brutal Block. Throw up the horns and let's get rocking. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing here? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.